Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer, chapter Goon with the Wind. It's very clever, they're goons. Goon you with see, the Wind, yes. This chapter has a lot of goons. Oh, it's, I finally get to play these goons. Yes, Stephen Gregg. I've been looking forward to these. Make sure you differentiate, Bernard. All right, I'll make them nice and, nice and clear. All right. And so we begin. How are we going to do this? Said Steve, sucking on a curly-whirly and watching the Mark and her husband and dog drive off down the road. Because she's always with someone, isn't she? That big fella what looks like a movie star, or the husband. Not always. She's alone some of the time. Greg muttered, plucking a single pickled onion monster munch from the bag. Popping it in his mouth, he checked the time on his watch and carefully noted it down in his pad. Everything Greg did was very careful, very precise. That's why we're watching her. We're establishing her daily routine. Once we know her patterns, we can figure out when to grab her. She don't look like she has a routine. And she saw us, didn't she? She took a photo of the van. That's not exactly what you might call ideal, is it? Steve continued to chew laboriously, Toffee binding his teeth together. You're going to have to reflect that in the voice. Oh, all right. I'm not sure about this job, Greg. I preferred it when it was just ice buns and nicking relics. Steve reflected for a moment. You could tell when Steve was thinking. It was like watching dial-up in action when you'd gotten used to broadband. I've put on two stones since I started this job. I tell you, Greg, it's affected me body image. Greg glanced sideways at Steve. He'd have preferred to do this alone, and it was bad enough sharing the job at all, let alone with a pillock like Steve. Steve wasn't even supposed to be here. Big Fat Harry had been assigned, but his daughter's wedding was this week, so he and Steve had swapped their shifts without telling anyone. Big Fat Harry didn't want to get in trouble with Fazir. Greg wished Big Fat Harry had consulted with him first. Greg suspected that Steve wasn't cut out for this sort of work. Steve did have a point, however. Not just about the buns and the weight gain, which was true for almost all of them. Big Fat Harry had only been Fat Harry until he'd started working for Vizier. He also had a point about the photo. The van was now potentially traceable. Magenta might have told someone else about the van and its registration, and if stroke when she went missing, there might be trouble. However... It's in me sister's girlfriend's name. Greg said coolly. They wouldn't give me up, and the coppers won't trace it back to us. They ain't that switched on in my experience. Steve grunted and turned on Magic FM, shaking his head as Christa Berg filled the space. Don't like it. He muttered, thinking of the equipment in the rear of the van and the place they were to take her to once they'd snatched her. Why do they want her? He sighed. She looks like me auntie, the fit scary one. I mean, what are they going to do to her? It's... it's... As if on cue, the last strains of Lady in Red faded into black magic woman. Steve tensed up, uncomfortable with the weirder, magic-y elements of the job. By contrast, Greg was capable of focusing on his role to the exclusion of all else, of assuming the position of cog in the overall machine. He believed his understanding or approval of the outcome was immaterial, and it suited him to know that ultimate responsibility lay elsewhere. Whereas Steve seemed to assume everything was his business, and couldn't seem to help himself from looking beyond the tasks they'd been assigned. As his superior in rank and experience, Greg needed to address Steve's questions and concerns in a way that ensured commitment to the task while maintaining morale and company loyalty. He needed to nip those doubts in the bud. He needed to be a boss. Greg turned to Steve and took a deep breath. Just shut up, Steve. Eat your bloody curly-whirly and shut your face. The end. <laughs> That's the end <laughs> of the chapter. What a dramatic t- chapter. <laughs> Two men sit in a car and eat a curly-whirly. Aren't you glad you included that? <laughs>
really moved the story along. Yes, absolutely. Although actually it didn't away, because we now know that they're about to kidnap Magenta. That's true. Yes, although we sort of knew that before. I mean, the presence of the goons in the white van was rather... Uh, and the fact that Fazir had earlier said, we're going to kidnap Magenta. That's true. But now we have put a face to the, the, the name of the goons. We know Steve and Greg, although yes. I've already forgotten which is which, but never mind. All right. Shall we do another chapter? I think we better had. Right. The next... <laughs> The next chapter is called Feel It In My Fingers, which ah, could mean anything. Yes. Oh, feel it in my toes. Yes, The love is. is all around love us. Love is all around us, yeah. And, and so the feeling, feeling grows. grows. So maybe it's got something to do with that. Yes. Right. Oh, yes, it has. His egg. Chapter Feel It In My Fingers. You smell nice, egg. What is that? Bacon, detective. I've got half a bacon sandwich in my pocket. Nah, it's, it's more floral than that. Is it, um... Egg didn't answer, instead removing the sandwich from her pocket. Oh, it was in a sandwich bag. She wasn't an animal. Eldris, duly discouraged from further attempts at flattery, concentrated his attention on the road. There was a forced, self-conscious element to their interaction nowadays. It was easy to trace the origin as well. In August, Egg and Eldris had ferociously made out after a night of sexually charged banter at a colleague's birthday bash. At the end of the evening, they'd walk together to the taxi rank, where they did their bit to right the world's injustices by mashing their eager faces together. The unspoken plan was to share a taxi, and eventually give it the old one-two-toodaloo-oopsie-daisy-have-a-banana. But Eldris had suddenly pulled away from their embrace and sicked several pints of arches and lemonade right onto his shoes. And that had been the end of that. Egg still didn't know if Eldris had been so drunk on the night of the birthday that he'd forgotten the snogging, or if he'd chosen to pretend it hadn't happened. She thought the latter was the most likely. He was over six foot tall, and still built like a man accustomed to the elastic caress of a leotard. So what were the chances he was that much of a lightweight? Sure, he'd vomited like a schoolboy and had to be helped into a taxi, but he couldn't have forgotten, could he? Anyway, it was too embarrassing to dwell on. Egg had kept a polite, professional distance ever since. Eldris took a hand off the wheel and raked it across his scalp. This case was balls. Egg had told him the interview with Sandra had yielded no new information. Nor had his return trip early that morning to visit Sandra's other neighbour yielded anything at all. A tiny man of Tom Cruise proportions in both height and manic energy had answered the door. He'd said he lived with his mother, who immediately became the only possible candidate for the role of Bob's lover, but that she was away and indeed was rarely to be found at home. When asked if his mother was in a relationship or had ever had a gentleman caller around the house, the man had looked disgusted and barked a very forceful no, abruptly shutting the door in Eldris's face. It had been an interesting overreaction, but irrelevant to the case. He'd pushed his card through the letterbox and shouted for the man to pass it on to his mother, but he doubted it would happen. He hadn't told Egg about this. What would he have said? That he'd visited Sandra's neighbours on the advice of a psychic who had been passed information by a dog? Regardless of the fact that the psychic in question had already contributed valid, verifiable information about a whole range of crimes, dog telepathy was a step too far. Even without the dog telepathy, there was a general consensus about police who used the service of psychics, and it wasn't that they were a proud addition to the force. As such, now that he knew she was a professional psychic, Eldris preferred to keep Magenta in his back pocket, which was why he hadn't taken her down the station. Yet. Egg cleared her throat. Eldris gripped the steering wheel tighter, anticipating chit-chat. 
He'd always appreciated her contributions, and lately his appreciation had become ever more appreciative. There's something else I've been thinking about, Egg said. Something that needs more focus. My relationship status, the size of my hands, the way my trousers stretch over my muscle dancer thighs. Eldris thought to himself, hopefully. Oh? He said instead. The removal of the brain, Egg said. How clean it is. The head is neatly sawn off at the scene, and yet we found no brain fragments, and no sign of anyone running away from the scene cupping a brain in their hands. The brain is cleanly removed and spirited away. It's a considered kill, Eldris agreed. But the first kill was a little messier. Bone fragments, multiple entry points, and saw marks on the skull. He's getting better. He's learning. But he's been using the right tools from the beginning. A surgical handsaw, a scalpel, a clamp, probably a heavy-duty apron. So where's he getting it from? Is he a vet, a doctor, a medical student? Does he steal the equipment from work? How does he transport it to and from the murder scene? Egg sighed. They'd been through all this multiple times, but they both knew the benefit of examining it afresh every now and then. There's no point approaching every hospital in London, Eldris said, just as they turned into the car park of the Foster and Hopkins private hospital. There are too many, and they can't account for all their equipment. We shouldn't operate on the assumption that the killer is connected to a medical facility either. He might have bought the tools off the internet and practiced on animals first. Hmm, said Egg, chewing on her bottom lip. So what's he doing with the brains? Souvenirs. Keeping them in jars in his basement, probably. Egg fell silent. He could feel her thinking. They'd return to this conversation later. But for now, they had a date with one of the world's leading criminal psychologists. Ooh. Goodness, I wonder who that is. Yes, uh, maybe a new voice. Yes. Honestly can't remember. I bet you genuinely can't remember either. No, I really can't. (laughs) Well, it'll be exciting for you as well. Well, maybe it's going to tie up and it turns out to be one of the characters we've already met. Yes. So there we go. And we will be, uh, despite uh, it being Christmas time, we will be keeping on schedule and we'll be releasing another chapter next week. We will. Yes. So see you then, fans. You you shall listen to Magenta next time. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Broadcasting, this is Roger Bergato Fisher, communications, something, Moonbase, wherever. You guys can sort out the next thing. I need to get the rover checked and loaded. Jung? On it, boss. Excuse me? If communication still makes a difference at this point in the plot, if we can keep this base or this moon together long enough to be a thing. I changed my direction. I worked my way down. I took those scraps, the bits they'd forgotten about or thrown away, and I built my own place. Still inside, but within the shadows. All my thoughts, my hopes, all of my heart was on a makeshift rocket hurtling towards us with the most precious of cargo. We'll definitely deserve a celebration. Not like yours. You and your boy down there? I hope he's got a private room waiting. It'll be enough to be close again. Ah, meu amado. When I have Alex back in my arms, maybe then I can think about resistance. We've kept the corporations at arm's length longer than most. Well, whatever you're building, here or wherever, I'm in. Any way we can help. It feels like we're approaching the closing stage of this journey. The 
final stop. But either way, it's been one hell of a story. And either way, it ends with Alex. Moonbase Theta Out, the final season. Broadcasting on your podcast feeds starting August 14th. For early access, join us at patreon.com slash monkeymanproductions. Moonbase Theta, out.